Welcome into this new edition of the Igloo, the coolest podcast in all of college basketball with me, Timmy Ice. And it's only fitting that I start off saying, you know, welcome to the Igloo, because right now where I am in upstate New York, yeah, it's turning into a winter wonderland out here with a decent amount of snow on the ground. I mean, it's not a ton, but it was enough where the snow was kind of tripped me up driving wise yesterday, but I digress. And again, with the snow, like that's when, you know, like, oh, it's December winter's coming. So over the past week, I mean, we've seen the start of the Big East Big 12 battle. We've seen the conclusion of the Big Five Classic in Philadelphia. We've had some in-state rivalry games. And a couple of surprising upsets to talk about. So let's get right into it. I mean, the major storyline, this is the game that everyone was wanting and clamoring for. Top five showdown between UConn and Kansas. Kansas looked dominant early, but UConn got hot in the second half, and mainly it was Tristan Newton carrying the load. I mean, he had a monster game. But hot three-point shooting and a 10-0 run, uh, 11-0 run, rather, was ended up being a backbreaker. And UConn had a chance late. They got it down to two with about 23 seconds left. Kansas missed some free throws that opened the door for UConn to potentially steal one. But Hassan Diara lost the ball going out of bounds. If if he called, they reviewed it. They ruled in favor of Kansas. And the Jayhawks get free throws to ice the game in the final seconds from a guy that was coming into the game shooting, what, 25% from the line, K.J. Adams? So that's UConn's first non-conference loss in quite some time. And it snaps a 13-game win streak dating back to the NCAA tournament last year. The other top team from the Big East, Marquette, they got upset at Wisconsin. Wisconsin got off to a blistering start. I mean, red-hot shooting. And Marquette just couldn't recover. And they lose by double digits in Madison to in-state rival Wisconsin. So now Shaka's 0-3 against the Badgers all time. At, at Marquette, that is. Because I don't know if he's faced him when he was at Texas and VCU. I have my doubts, but... What we do know for a fact, again, Marquette 0-3 against Wisconsin with Shaka at the helm. Man, it didn't help that they struggled from three, shooting 24%. And Wisconsin lit, lit them up in the first half for 46 points. In terms of the other negatives, I mean, Villanova, after rising up to 18th in the country, after dominating in the battle for Atlantis, They dropped two this past week in their Big Five Classic matchups, losing to St. Joe's at the Finn, their first Big Five loss at home since, what, 2012, I think? And then they followed that up, losing in the Big Five Classic, you know, like the, the climax of it at Wells Fargo. Losing by two points to Drexel. Villanova in the Big Five Classic finished sixth. They are six and three with all three losses against Big Five schools. Penn, St. Joe's, and now Drexel. Maybe what is life yo was right. Maybe. I guess we'll find out tonight if... 
Villanova just happens to struggle against the Big Five. And we're going to find out, well, they got a big week this week because they play at Kansas State, which previewed that a little bit on the bonus episode. And then they get UCLA coming into Wells Fargo. So is now the time to hit the panic button? I mean, the button's there. And if I'm a Villanova fan, maybe from a more rational sense, I'm I'm speaking here, my hand's kind of hovering over the button. I know most fans, they're probably bashing the shit out of it. Listen, when you shoot 33% from the floor and not even 20% from three against Drexel, yeah, you're going to have problems. Maybe maybe those teams just got up more for those big five games than Villanova did. I don't know for a fact. That's just my theory. And I feel like those other five Philadelphia schools, meaning you know Drexel, Penn, LaSalle, Temple, and St. Joe's, who are you know more in the city of Philadelphia? And maybe they see it as karma because Villanova. I mean, they're a Philly school, but they're not technically directly in the city of Philadelphia. I'm I'm just playing devil's advocate here, so that's not my actual stance. So those were kind of the negatives, right? On a more positive note, Butler is becoming. The surprise of the league so far. In a thriller against Texas Tech, they hold off the Red Raiders in overtime in a just a wild one. 103-95. And, I mean, they got brilliant performances from Jameel Telfort and DJ Davis. Two of their transfers that they brought in. Two of many. Telford with 26, Davis with 25, and then he had 18 from Pierre Brooks, a triple-double from Posh. I mean, granted, it wasn't pretty. Two for 10 for the floor, one of two from three, but 10 points, 10 rebounds, 11 assists. Triple-double is a triple-double. The ice-breaking performance of the game, Andre Screen with 14 off the bench in 19 minutes with six boards. And they dominated the glass, a 40-24 edge. And they withstood a monster performance off the bench from Chance McMillan, who had 24 points all from behind the... I mean, 8 of 10 from 3 is nuts. What's even crazier, he went 0 of 5 inside the arc. But I'm telling you, I think Butler's for real. Butler is for real. And they got a very good chance to be 9-2... and going into conference play because they get three relatively simple games after that. They get Buffalo tonight, Cal on Saturday, and then next Friday, Saginaw Valley State, non-D1 team before they open Biggie's play against Georgetown. Speaking of the Hoyas, they had a chance at a defining Ed Cooley's first big win at the helm. It looked like TCU was going to pull away and win this thing in the early stages of the second half. Being up 10 with 14.47 to go. Beast Hoyas never quit though. And they got to a two-point lead with only a handful of seconds left. And then, inexplicably, a buzzer-beating three from Emmanuel Miller. The Horn Frogs snatch victory from the jaws of defeat. But, it never should have happened. Why? Because Ray Natilli, the official looking directly at the play, Listen, from an, uh, to play a little devil's advocate here again, from an official standpoint, from my personal experience, priority number one in a late game situation like that with the clock winding down, 
Your concern is with getting the shot off and making sure that the shot is off in time before that red light goes off. What he completely forgot about because he was going to get his shot off in plenty of time. So that didn't become a concern. He completely forgot to look at his feet. That's what, and that's, that's just not okay. You can't assume that he's going to stay in bounds. As a ref, you might have your tendencies and you may have anticipation, but anticipation is different than assumption. And he assumed that he was going to stay in bounds and he didn't have his eyes on his feet. And Emmanuel Miller stepped out of bounds. That shot should have never counted. And Georgetown in those title blue uniforms should have been leaving their home building with a W. And a huge win, not just for themselves, but for the Big East in this Big East Big 12 battle. Getting bragging rights against the Big 12 is extremely important. Because the Big 12 is arguably, along with the Big East, the best basketball conference in the country. And this series is a big litmus test to proving which conference is the best at this point in the season. And that officiating blunder robbed Georgetown of that and the Big East of that in turn. I don't want to call it embarrassing but you as an official you got to be better than that how the how the hell that's out of bounds is one of the simplest rules in the book if not the simplest rule in the book and he fucked it up i'm not going to say like he should be fired but like dude go back and watch the tape and learn to be better from this but more importantly, he should have never let that happen in the first place. He's looking at his feet. He sees he's out of bounds. He blows the whistle before that shot gets off with about a second or so left. Or slightly under a second left. And that would have been it. So yeah, that's my stance on it. Georgetown got robbed. Other... Games from around the Big East Big 12 battle. And by the way, this is after Georgetown barely survived Merrimack. Which also was filled with a little controversy. Won't go into that because, I mean, yeah. Merrimack may have got shafted with a late technical foul, but... It didn't directly cost them the game. Because that missed call was on the shot that won the game that never should have happened. Period. Other Big East Big 12 battle games, Creighton creamed Oklahoma State. Xavier hung tough against Houston. And I knew Houston was going to get Xavier's best for this game. And give credit to Houston for withstanding a big comeback effort from the Musketeers. And withstanding that tough environment at Centos. St. John's really didn't play well, but they got the job done at West Virginia in the ketchup mustard game. Uh, You know, with St. John's wearing their red, West Virginia in gold. But hey, St. John's, they got the job done. They're still 5-2. They're starting to figure it out. Starting to gel together as a team. It's very similar to Butler in a way. Because they're basically entirely new rosters. They took a little bit of time. You know, they had to go through some tough L's. But now we're playing really solid ball. Now, St. John's, they again, they did not play great at West Virginia. But getting a road win, I don't care who it's against. Winning on the road ain't easy, especially in an environment like Morgantown. Win's a win no matter how you size it up. 
So I, I tip my cap to St. John's for getting a big road win for themselves and for the conference. Meanwhile, DePaul's struggles continued. They got creamed by Iowa State. And that was after DePaul started up started off up 18 to 8 in the first six and a half minutes. And then Iowa State the rest of the game, they outscored DePaul 91 to 62. Listen, DePaul, you know, they have offensive firepower, but Jesus Christ, their defense is abhorrent. They let Iowa State shoot 56.5% from the floor and 32 of 52 inside the arc. That's 61.5% inside the arc. And not to mention, you can't turn the ball over 17 times and only force nine turnovers yourself. So, I mean, DePaul's one and six. Uh, and then to some other in-state rivalry games. Oh, by the way, Seton Hall, just quick, you know, quick blip. You know, they, not a pretty win, but they got by Northeastern. And they got they got a big week coming up. Now, other in-state rivalry games that happened over the weekend. On the positive side, Providence takes down Rhode Island by 15. Bryce Hopkins continues to to get back into his former self. You know, that was up there for Big East Player of the Year before a really tough home stretch knocked him down and allowed and opened the door for Tyler Kolek to take it. Hopkins with 24 points and 7 boards in this one. 10 of 19, 1 of 3 from deep. All 5 starters in double figures. And shot really well from the floor. 49%. And 40% from threes, very solid. Kept it under 10 turnovers. URI struggle from the line. Providence, 12 of 16. Like, I'm telling you... Providence is sneaky good, and that's kind of why I have them beating Oklahoma tonight. And then Creighton comes into Lincoln and just humiliates Nebraska by almost 30. And Baylor Shireman went off in this game. I mean, he had six threes in the first half alone, 20 points in that first half, finished with a game-high 24. And then you add 13 each from Kalkbrenner and Ashworth, and Alexander as well. Crane took 43s in this one, which is nuts. 14 of 40. And they also held Nebraska to 2 of 22 from 3. 2 for 22. So, big ass kicking for Creighton and really good bounce back for them. Bounce back week after getting humiliated against Colorado State and Kansas City, but you know they bounced back with two solid wins against Oklahoma State and Nebraska, both on the road. Looking ahead to some other games, quickly before we talk about the women, I mean, I already made my Big East Big 12 battle pick, so other games on the docket. I think Xavier bounces back against Delaware uh, in their tune-up before you know their big game, the Crosstown Shootout against Cincinnati. I got the uh, Muskies beating the Blue Hens. Butler, they continue their momentum by steamrolling Buffalo. In the Jimmy V Classic, top 10 showdown now between 9th-ranked UNC and 5th-ranked UConn. I think the Huskies take it in the garden in that main event of the Jimmy V Classic. By the way, FAU-Illinois is supposed to be a really good game, but UNC-UConn, that's what everyone's there for. And, I, and the Huskies, I, I got them taking care of business. And I wouldn't be shocked if they end up finding a way to steamroll the Tar Heels. Again, only one loss coming into this game, and it was against Villanova in overtime. So maybe the Big East is UNC's kryptonite. Maybe it is. That's why I got UConn. 
Meanwhile, Wednesday night, I got St. John's taking care of Sacred Heart. Texas A&M against DePaul. This could get ugly. Aggies are going to win big down in College Station on the SEC Network. And then it's rivalry weekend. Let's talk about the games that no one really gives a shit about. Let's be real. UConn's going to obliterate Arkansas Pine Bluff. Butler should win handily against Cal. Creighton, I think they'll get a pretty handy win against Central Michigan. Providence will handle business against Brown as well. But look at this slate of rivalry games. Syracuse, Georgetown. That is going to be an interesting showdown. You know, Ed Cooley, first year at Georgetown. First year for Syracuse under Adrian Autry. It's going to be an interesting game. I think Syracuse is going to have the best player on the court all around in Judah Mintz. But I think Georgetown might be a more well-rounded team in this case. I mean, at least they now have a week after to prepare for this after get well, I, yeah, yeah, they have a week uh to prepare for this after losing a heartbreaker uh to TCU and I think it's going to fuel them. And I think Georgetown is going to win this one. The home team has won each of the last, what, six meetings? No, last five. And make it six. I think we might have a more in-depth preview for that. Eh, I can go with that. I'm all right. But that's my preview. I think Syracuse is not the best player on the court in Judah Mintz. I just think Georgetown's more well-rounded team. Give me the Hoyas winning a tight one over the Orange. Now, in a Sickos Committee special, Louisville-DePaul in Chicago. The Cardinals are 4-4. Four and four. I mean, DePaul 1-6. I'm shocked DePaul is even favored as heavily as they are according to the matchup predictor for ESPN. Even when it's in the Big East favor in this case, the matchup predictor is a joke. I'm sorry, DePaul fans. As much as I may want to see DePaul win this game, which I very much do, I still think the Cardinals take it at Wintrust. Of course, now the Crosstown shootout. Cincinnati Xavier. Bearcats are 7-0. But... Look, their they, their schedule has been nothing but cupcakes, and they've played almost all their games at home. UIC, Detroit Mercy, Eastern Washington, Northern Kentucky, a pretty trash Georgia Tech team. Okay, okay. Before I before I go on, hold on. Georgia Tech beat Duke, so that's the only win that kind of like has a little bit of merit. They cream Georgia Tech like. Three weeks ago. Two weeks ago, excuse me. And that that Georgia Tech team beat just beat Duke over the weekend. They barely got by Howard in overtime. And they crushed Florida Gulf Coast. This is at Centos, though. And Xavier has really owned this rivalry series over the last four years. Make it five. Xavier wins the Crosstown shootout at Centos. Now, Fox Primetime Hoop, 7 o'clock. UCLA Villanova. UCLA's five and two. Their only loss is coming in Maui against Marquette and UCL and, and Gonzaga, excuse me. But they haven't been playing really great this year. I mean, they barely got by. UC Riverside in their last game. UC Riverside. Matchup predictor heavily favors Villanova. You know, listen, with the way Villanova's played, I mean, I want to see how they look against Kansas State. I, I think Nova still wins. Based on how they play again, though, it might skew my pick for this one. Because part of me wants to go with UCLA. But then again, 
Maybe Villanova's kryptonite are just matchups against the Big Five. And that's why I think they get a big home win at Wells Fargo against UCLA. Now, Notre Dame Marquette, listen, it's not going to be pretty. And not and not just because like Notre Dame isn't very good. And by the way, this is on is it on Fox? It is on Fox. And it's a late one. I'm honestly kind of shocked that they're showing a game this late on Fox at 9 Eastern. I mean, Fighting Irish, Golden Eagles, yeah, Marquette's going to win big. Notre Dame is not good. And then the game I have a particular interest in, the Garden State Hardwood Classic, which is now the Garden State Showcase. What? ESPN has it listed as the Garden State Showcase. That can't be right. That There's no way that's right. <laughs> I'm going to double check. But I swear. Yeah, it's the Garden State Harbor Classic. So ESPN has it wrong. Colored me shocked. I mean, Seton Hall, I mean, let's be real. They're probably going to be coming off a loss to Baylor going into this game. Rutgers... They got a tough game at Wake Forest Wednesday night. This is going to be a toss-up game. But listen. Bias be damned. Seton Hall, New Jersey will remain a blue state. And the Pirates will defeat the Scarlet Knights in, in a close one. It'll be a close game like it was last year. But I really don't think and I hope that it's not the kind of 45-43 rock fight that we saw last year at Jersey Mike's Arena. And then on Sunday, I mean, you got the NABC Brooklyn Showcase at the Barclays Center, St. John's, Boston College, 430 ESPNU. Yeah, St. John's is going to win this game, and I think they'll win it, you know, pulling away in the second half. And by the way, you know, 40-year anniversary of St. John's' first Big East title and the first Big East tournament held at the Garden where St. John's defeated Boston College in the final. A lot of parallels there. But yeah, that's thoughts and analysis on what's been happening around the Big East on the men's side. Got your women's week recap. And, of course, your look ahead um, on the women's side as well. Before we wrap it all up, so don't go anywhere. Uh, Yo, this is Baylor Shireman, and you're listening to the Igloo Podcast. Uh, Thank you, Mr. Shireman. Had to fill him in as the filler this week as he was named Biggie's Player of the Week after averaging 22.5 per game in their two wins over Oklahoma State and Nebraska. Meanwhile, storylines on the women's side over the over the past week. UConn falls again. They now have three losses at this point in the season. Like this is early December. This is the earliest they've had three losses since the 86-87 season. Which is wild. And they're, they also have their lowest AP ranking now, in at least in this century, from what I can gather. As Texas got earned a really solid win over the Huskies. But, I mean, part of it, UConn turned it over 21 times. But I give a lot of the credit to Texas's defense. They have... One of the best, if not the second best, I think they either were number one or number two in the country in turnover margin entering the game. And they were undefeated for a reason. But I give UConn credit. It looked like Texas was going to run them out of the Moody Center. But to UConn's credit and credit Paige Beckers for helping lead the comeback charge and some of the freshmen really stepped up as well. 
They got it down to a two-possession game at several points in the fourth quarter after being down by as many as after being down by as many as 18 points. But, you know, Rory Harmon, Madison Booker, and Amina Muhammad, as well as uh, Shaylee Gonzalez, just proved to be too much. So where's this leave UConn now? I mean, it get, it's going to get a little bit easier moving forward because you, you'll have Ball State on Wednesday night at home. But then, I mean, you're going to get UNC and Louisville right after that, each team in the top 25. You know, they play UNC at Mohegan Sun Sunday night at 5, and then they get Louisville on the 16th at noon on Fox before they start Big East play on the 18th. So I think, you know, get get your confidence back against Ball State, handle your business, and then move forward. Get a couple big wins over UNC and Louisville. And then go into conference play, you know, handle your business against Butler. And then right after that, you get Marquette, who's still undefeated right now. Which is a good segue into the fact that, you know, Marquette, listen, they are now in the top 20 in the country. They're a perfect 8-0. So maybe, you know, the people who were, you know, the coaches in that coaches poll during the preseason for the Big East, you know, the poll that was released on Media Day, maybe they were right. They very well could have been right because this Marquette team looks phenomenal with this 8-0 start. Meanwhile, Creighton looked incredible in a win over Northern Iowa. 115-62. And these numbers are going to sound ridiculous. 43-24 rebound margin. 20 for 33 from deep. 43 of 68 from the floor. 63% from the floor, 60.6% from beyond the arc. 29 assists on 43 made field goals. They're letting it fly in Omaha, and they're getting their confidence back, their swagger back, after they got beat pretty handily by Green Bay at home just a couple weeks ago. And they start Big East play with a big one a week from tomorrow at Marquette. That's going to be a huge game. But that's looking too far ahead down the line. In other action, Seen Hall really challenged then number 25 Princeton at Jadwin Gym. And What a bonkers game this was. Micah Gray tied it with a prayer from deep to force overtime. And then, you know what? You like one overtime? Let's have another, shall we? But Princeton wins 75-71. I'm telling you. I mean, listen, I know Seton Hall lost, but they're starting to pick it up and figure it out now. Because they really challenged Princeton on the road. A team that, listen, they almost got to the Sweet 16 last year. They upset NC State in the first round before falling to Utah. A lot of positives to take from from that loss. Because Micah Gray was great. Azana Baines put up a double-double. I mean, Amari Wright, by the way, is among the top 10 in college women's hoops in assists. And they also shot it really well from three. 56% for three, but inside the arc, that was kind of where they really struggled. 17 of 47 from two. 
They did bounce back, though, Saturday with a win over Maryland Eastern Shore. And they didn't shoot it anywhere. It was like the polar opposite. They kind of struggled shooting from three, but inside the arc, incredibly efficient. 25 of 36. Meanwhile, St. John's bounced back. They beat Loyola, Maryland Wednesday night and then followed that up by beating Marist on the road on Saturday. So I think St. John's is now starting to figure it out now. After a really rough 2-5 and five start, now they've won back-to-back games. And this two wins that team desperately needed. Because they go to Fairfield, they get URI before Big East play begins at the Garden on December 16th against Villanova. So Tartamella and the troops... Starting to figure it out again. Starting to figure it out again. Uh, again, they started off really rough, but getting two wins this past week after only getting two in their first seven games, huge confidence boost for the Red Storm. Meanwhile, Columbia beat not one but two Big East teams this week. They handled business against Providence on Wednesday, and then followed that up with a thrilling win on Sunday over Nova. And that was despite 33 from Lucy Olsen. I mean, the conclusion of the game was very dramatic. And it was Columbia getting the win with Abby Sue getting the game winning and one. And then icing, and then Kitty Henderson iced the game by making one of two at the line. And uh, Henderson make it made a huge block after the and one to you know get the block, possess the ball, get fouled, and then make one of two. So a tough loss for Villanova, who falls to five and two. But Lucy Olson continues to shine. But on more positive notes. And I want to make sure I'm hitting everything. Actually, before I get to the positives, tough news coming out of Xavier. I mean, they lost a tough one to Miami, Ohio Monday night. Not the month, not yesterday Monday, but the Monday before. And then they went to Tempe, got humiliated by Temple, 78-41. And then, this would make matters worse, they didn't have enough players to play against Arizona State on Saturday. So that game is just straight up canceled. I mean, this is just... Billy Chambers was not dealt a very good hand. Let's be honest, okay? I really thought they would have gotten a win by now, but... They're 0-7, and again, part of the big reason why is because, again... Dealt a very bad hand. So who knows where they go from here? Because I'm trying to remember who they get after this. They get Oakland, they're at Cincinnati, and they get SIU Edwardsville. I mean, you got it. You got to win at least one of those games. Just one. Pretty simple. Meanwhile, Providence, you know, they lost to Columbia. Wednesday night, and then Saturday, they lose to Iona by a dozen. And listen, they were up. They were up, what, seven going into the break, 33-26? You cannot only score two points in a quarter and expect to win. I don't care who you're facing. They got outscored 17-2 to in the third. I mean, you can see, like, the flat line on the game flow is kind of nuts because they didn't score a field goal from 57 seconds left in the second quarter and they didn't score another point until about halfway through the third. And then they didn't score again until 9-19 left in the fourth. So they let it slip away against Iona. They got outscored in the second half, 35-16. to 
I mean, Providence has had their ups and their downs, and now they're under 500, three and five, and they got Rhode Island and Yale, and then and then Sacred Heart, and then they get a couple games of the West Palm Beach Classic against 10th-ranked Baylor and then Kennesaw State. To close things out um, in December, and then they get Seton Hall to start Big East play on the 30th. But, more positive note, shall we? Butler and Georgetown have been really great surprises in the in the best way possible. Butler is 6-2, and two, and they had a really good week this week. They handled business against Bradley on Wednesday, and then they got a big road win at Wisconsin. And they did it on the back of their defense. Austin Parkinson is doing something right. I knew he was doing something right in year one, but it just keeps getting better for his team. He had He's just pushing all the right buttons, getting the most out of his players. And Rachel Kent in particular against Wisconsin, phenomenal. 25 points for the IUPUI transfer in 35 minutes. Had 14 in the win over Bradley their last time out prior uh, to that win in Madison. Meanwhile, I mean, against Bradley, they had three in double figures, including Kent. Caroline Strandy had 17. Muleman's had 13. And against uh, Wisconsin, I think only one other player was in double figures, and that was Strandy with uh, 17. So she had an outstanding week, as did Kent for sure. And their defense was great too. I mean, yeah, they got all rebounded by 12, 47, 35. But they held the Badgers to just 3 of 20 from 3. And they forced 16 turnovers while only turning it over 5 times themselves. So Butler's been a really great surprise. But so is Georgetown. They're 7-1, and one, folks. And they're coming off a game. I mean, they, they survived against Howard, but then... That really flipped a switch for them. They Again, they barely won that game, but then turned around, went to Evanston, and trounced Northwestern. 82-58. And they were up big at halftime. Like, what was it? A 24-point game at the half? Yeah, it was 51-27 to at halftime. I mean, Georgetown has been one of the worst teams in the Big East in recent years on offense, but they've had a renaissance, really. I mean, 51 points in the first half. And give credit to their personnel. Kelsey Ransom, Victoria Rivera, Grace Ann Bennett, Alex Cowan, all spectacular in this game. Then Brianna Scott, 13 points and 8 boards off the bench. I'm telling you. This is one of those great feel-good stories. Not just in the Big East, but in all of women's basketball. In women's college hoops, to be to be honest with you. You know, Tasha Butts passes away a month and a half ago. After a long battle with breast cancer. Darnell Haney takes her place. And has this team playing this well. At 7-1. and one. It's, it's a really good feel good story. They've been the biggest surprise. Along with Butler in Biggie's women's hoops this year. Now the question becomes, how long can they sustain this? They most certainly can. But they're really going to have their test coming up. They get Wake Forest on the road on the 17th. And then they get Seton Hall and DePaul on the road 
in the early stages of Big E's play next month. And they also got a non-conference game on the 28th at Kennesaw State. Actually, no correction. They get Seton Hall at home on the 20th. They're at DePaul New Year's Eve. So that's correction on that. As for this week, DePaul against Green Bay. I mean, DePaul, speaking of, I mean, they got waxed by Michigan State their last time out. 102 to 64. I mean, not pretty. Um, I think in this game, I don't know. I I gotta give the edge. I gotta give the edge to DePaul here. And the reason why is because a loss like that where you get where you get beat 102 to 64, it's kind of a wake up call. And Anaya Peoples has been leading the charge for this team. And against Michigan State, I mean, she's still been getting her bag. 18 points and shooting 50% from the floor against the Spartans. I think they fa- I, I think DePaul figures it out and gets a win. Unfortunately, I won't be able to make the trip to uh, Hamilton, New York to see Georgetown take on Colgate. But I got the Hoyas beating the Raiders. And Colgate's a sneaky 4-2, but like their strength of schedule has been pretty weak. Like their last game before this one, they played Cuca College at D3 school. And they held them to 22 points. And their highest scorer had 4 points total for Cuca. Yikes. Meanwhile, Big 5 matchup, Villanova hosting Penn. Yeah, Villanova. I got Villanova handling business. UConn, they'll take care of business against Ball State on Wednesday. Providence hosting URI. URI's coming off a big upset over Princeton. And I think the Rams take uh, take that momentum and go into Alumni Hall and win a close one against Aaron Bath and her Friars. Thursday, Oakland at Xavier. Listen, I just don't think Xavier's going to win. I'm sorry. I just don't see it happening. Although Oakland's three wins, I mean, two of them are against non-D1 teams. But I just think Xavier's in such a tough spot, I just don't see them winning that game. Now, Butler hosting Vanderbilt. This is a huge test. Like, we'll see what Vandy's really made of. Their only loss came against number three, North Carolina State. And they have good wins against Iowa State as well. You know, they beat Northern Iowa. On top of that, they beat Louisiana Tech. I don't know. I have a good feeling about this Butler team, but I don't know if they're going to have enough to beat the Commodores. Um, They have a really good big three of Washington, Cambridge, and more, all averaging double figures. I mean, Butler, I mean, they don't put up a lot of points, but they play outstanding defense. So I guess therein lies the problem. Like, you have the irresistible force against the immovable object. I don't know. You know, some's telling me like Hinkle Magic will come into play in a game like this. Even on the women's side, it does. I think Butler gets an upset of Vandy. I feel it. I feel it in my gut. I'm going with Austin Parkinson and his troops. Getting a big home win. Keeping that momentum. Of a road win at Wisconsin, beating another Power 5 team, beating a pretty underrated Vanderbilt team. Meanwhile, St. John's at Fairfield. Fairfield's only loss was a three-point loss at Vandy, speaking of. I just don't think St. John's going to have enough to win this one. Uh, They'll keep it close, but I think the Stags win it at home. Friday, Seton Hall will definitely take care of business against Central Connecticut. Uh, DePaul going to Miami, who's undefeated. Yeah, Miami's going to win. Hate to admit it. Saturday, I think Providence goes on the road and takes care of Yale in New Haven. I mean, Yale's not very good. They're 2-7 right now. And then Villanova taking on an undefeated St. Joe's team. 
Um, They're not going to be undefeated after they play Utah, though, on Thursday. Let's be real. I think Nova does beat St. Joe's, though, at Hagen Arena. And then Sunday, you have St. John's against URI. I think the Rams beat the Red Storm. Uh, Butler's going to beat Chicago State. Xavier's going to lose the women's edition of the Crosstown Shootout at Cincinnati at um, Fifth Third Arena. Marquette will go on the road, now 19th in the country, and beat Illinois State. Uh, Creighton's now back in the top 25 at number 22, where they were in the preseason poll. I think they'll take care of business in Laramie against Wyoming. And then the Hall of Fame Women's Showcase. 17th ranked UConn. I think I said they were 18th, so that's that was wrong. But 17th ranked UConn hosting number, tw- uh, t- not hosting, but they're taking on number 24, North Carolina, who was undefeated before a three-game losing streak derailed them, losing to Kansas State, Florida Gulf Coast, and then South Carolina in kind of a close game um, down in Chapel Hill for the ACC-SEC Challenge. They'll bounce back. They got a game before this against UNC Greensboro. But I think this is a game where UConn, you know, they get momentum and confidence back after beating Ball State. And they're going to carry it into a virtual home game against the Tar Heels. Gino and his staff and his players always find a way to figure it out. And this week will be no different. And this week will conclude with a Huskies win over the Tar Heels, which... Would be a 2-0 week for, for UConn hoops against the Tar Heels. At least that's what I'm predicting. And I have a I feel like I have it on very good authority. That's what we're going to see. So, I don't think I have any final thoughts or anything for an icebreaker for this episode of the Igloo. So, yeah, I think that's where I'm going to leave it at. Thanks for tuning in. Enjoy the week of hoops. I mean, you thought last week's, you know, the rivalries that we saw last weekend were good. This rivalry weekend, really going to kick it up a notch. Not just with good rivalries, but also, I mean, UCLA-Villanova. You got UNC-UConn in the Jimmy V. Marquette also has Texas. Uh, I know we already previewed those games for the Big East Big 12 battle in that bonus episode you just heard. But we still got the conclusion of the battle tonight and tomorrow. So tune into all those games and root on the Big East, baby. So until next week, this is Timmy I signing off from the Igloo. Thanks for tuning in to the coolest podcast in all of college hoops. The Igloo with me, Timmy Ice. Take care, y'all.